if you travel internationally, you need to decide which station you're starting, where you are going to arrive. There are thousands of stations, so thousands of combination. Uh, you have different pricing. Uh, you can book your ticket, your train. So conditions are quite different. You are listening to Transport for Future, a new podcast series by the Transport Area of the Florence School of Regulation, dedicated to European transport regulation. Stay with us for a deep dive into burning transport sector issues, including digitalization, financing, and the sector's recovery and resilience post-COVID-19. Hello, everyone, to this new edition of our podcast. Today, we are having a conversation with Alberto Mazzola, Executive Director, CER, the Community of European Railway and Infrastructure Companies. We will be having a conversation on uh, um, the digital um, transformation, timetables, information, ticketing. Uh, so this is the, the topic of, for our podcast today. Welcome, Alberto. How are you? I'm fine. Good afternoon, Juan. I would like to um, go over some issues uh, regarding digitalization, uh, things that are being discussed at the moment very broadly, uh, uh, specifically in regulatory terms, and they are part of the regulatory agenda of, of the Commission. And I would like to propose um, you some uh, topics where um, to identify what the railway undertakings are doing in terms of digitalization. Uh, yeah, to identify to our audience where, where we are in terms of all these topics of timetables, ticketing, etc. So I would like to start with one of the issues, um, which is a timetable. Um, I, I would like to know what is being done in order to make timetables more broadly available uh, and sooner, I mean, with a little bit more of, of time, both nationally and, and international. So yeah, first topic, the timetable, sharing the timetable. What, what are your associates doing on timetable information? Uh, thank you, Juan. Timetable is, um, in terms, it's already shared among all our members and including also ticket vendors. Inside UAC, our international organization, uh, there is a special group dealing with the, the merits project where all the timetables of railways are shared and also ticket vendors, many ticket vendors are participating to, to this special group. And for the, thanks to this, uh, you can see in many ways, you can go also Google on, uh, on many other operators that you can find the timetable of the different railways. So this is shared. What is not in in this uh, special group today is the pricing. So you can see the timetable of different trains, but you don't get uh, the pricing and especially dynamic pricing today. Okay, so, so that's pricing. Um, I think it's important to make the difference between information about pricing and then moving to the next subject, it would be ticketing. Ticketing, of course, requires to identify pricing, but of course it goes beyond pricing. It is about the possibility of acquiring through different digital means, the tickets for, uh, for the trips. Um, so what are your associates doing in terms of, of making ticketing available to different platforms and through ticketing, which has been also a long lasting objective of the commission? Uh Today, after the four railway package, uh, you can buy tickets on uh, different ticket vendors. I don't want to name them, but there are 
a few of them in Europe where you can buy tickets from different railway undertakings. Uh, this is uh, an advance compared to what existed before for railway package, but concerning in particular international travel, we think as an association or community of European railways, we think that we can improve situation and we can do, we can do more. For this reason, we have uh, developed a CER, Community of European Railways Infrastructure Companies, ticketing roadmap for a seamless international passenger rail travel. So it's not just timetable. I would like to say something more on timetable afterwards also for other things that we would like to see. But we have this roadmap that by 2025, depending if the initial conditions are fulfilled, should be able to buy international ticket tickets uh, essentially all around Europe. Uh, this requires commercial transactions, so you can do some of them today, but we like to do a bit more, let me say. So you are saying you want to do more. Is it related to this new OSTM platform that, uh, that is being developed? Yes, OSDM, Open Sales and Distribution Model, is the standard that we want to use uh, for to develop this uh, new, that are the basis of the ticketing roadmap. This will allow to exchange not just the timetable, but also availabilities. For instance, if you have yield management in the railways, places available, dynamic data, and provide also opportunity, or provide the possibility to exchange conditions for tariffs, uh, prices, and execute also commercial, commercial transactions. Uh, it's uh, a new standard that we are discussing with the European Commission in order to be fully recognized. Uh, the standard that uh, was developed with in, at European level was essentially very good for uh, local transport, so for metro, buses, and so on, but not very good for international transport. So together with UITP, the Association of Local Transport, we both recognize the need to use NETEX standard at the local level and OSDM, Open Sales and Distribution Model, for international long-distance uh, travel. What is the difference uh, synthetically? If you take a metro, uh, you can take a, buy a ticket and you can go around entering one station and getting out of the other station. You don't need to book your train. The price is essentially fixed. Maybe you have one or two, three zones. So it's much simple. If you travel internationally, you need to decide which station you're starting, where you are going to arrive. There are uh, thousands of stations, so thousands of combination. Uh, you have different pricing, uh, you can book your ticket, your train, so conditions are quite different. This is why we are looking for two different standards. We hope that this standard OSDM is recognized as soon as possible. This is your key condition to invest. So uh, in, in terms of standardization, it's not only about the standardization of, of the APIs and the databases themselves. But if I understand correctly, what we hear in the debate is that uh, it is also very important to standardize the very same ticketing conditions, the conditions at which uh, tickets are sold uh, in order afterwards to undertake the um, coordination, the standardization of the technical um, exchanges. Um, so 
are there two large differences for ticketing um, across Europe that are an obstacle and so some more standardization is necessary or this is not an issue in, uh, in railways? Uh, it is an issue, Juan. Uh, it is an issue. I can give you a few examples. Uh, if you have commercial conditions for senior people, you need to define when you become senior. Uh, you have different criteria around Europe. And so if you want to have the best tariff for a senior person, you will need to, I would say, being able to, to be in line with the criteria that we're going to use. The same can be true for a student, it can be true for if there are special conditions under 21 years or under 25 years. There are, if you are a military, so there are many con social conditions that can make your uh, rail trip less expensive or more convenient. We are working on this. Uh, we are not sure we will solve everything, just to be very clear, because uh, these are facts that are beyond the railways. So when you define these criteria, but these are important conditions in order to get the best price that you can have. So it's a challenge. We are working on this. This is part of the ticketing roadmap. Um, when we had discussions with other stakeholders, they identified ticketing as kind of the most fundamental element um, even to be regulated in order to make digitalization possible. Um, uh, do you agree? I mean, how relevant do you think these uh, ticketing exercises? There are different segments of people traveling uh, in railways. So you might have that at international level, ticketing is more relevant. A local level where you have more of the, most of the travelers, so commuters, is less relevant. So the Eurobarometer in 2018, according to the Eurobarometer, 78% of European passengers were satisfied or very satisfied with rail ticketing. So the vast majority uh, don't think that this is the major thing where we need to work. Just to give you some other ideas of very recent inquiry done at the end of the last year, and you will recognize these things, is punctuality, no transfer, direct trains, duration of the trip, so short and be short, connectivity with other modes of transport, clean trains, higher frequency, lifting stations, and then comes ticket. So you can see that there are different points, but having said that, uh, we are working on ticketing. We developed this roadmap because we want to improve condition also for international travelers. So we discussed uh, information timetable. We discussed ticketing. And I would like to discuss a third, I think, very fundamental element, which is real-time information about disruption and delays. So once you are in the train, something it's happening to miss a connection. Um, uh, what, what are your associates doing in, in, in these terms, in terms of digital tools to manage these uh, real-time information and disruptions? So information will be needed and available based also on the recently approved uh, passenger right regulation. So this information will be made available in terms of uh, disruption and delays. Let's say our ticketing roadmap goes a step for, further in the sense that once uh, 
and we are planning to, to have this ticketing roadmap fully implemented by 2025. When it's fully implemented, so all people that has bought a ticket according to this roadmap will be fully informed about any disruption. And we are planning also to make, to make possible, and there are already possible to, among certain companies, an agreement in journey continuation. So in case of disruption, let's say that your train is quite late and you need to catch another one. If there is another one by another company, uh, you will be automatically protected, provided, of course, there are seats on the train. So we will facilitate also how people can continue their journey. And in case that's not possible, they will be protected, let me say. But so there will be a full package where the this electronic ticketing will make it much easier for people traveling long distance and internationally to travel by train. Um, let, let me ask you, I mean, what would be the difference between the agreement on journey continuation and the agreement hope on the next available train? So they are very similar. So there was the first, first time there was rail team who started an agreement among the members of the rail team to provide this. The agreement on journey continuation is developed inside a, a sister organization, railway sister organization, CIT. And this agreement on journey continuation, here already 11 companies that have accepted the agreement. Our push is to make it more public and have as many companies, railway companies, as possible. Uh, there will be conditions. Uh, not everything is so simple, of course. Uh, depending, for instance, if you arriving in a very big station, of course, the time of connection between one train or the other will be longer. If the station is smaller, you can have different timing. So the schedule will be adapted. And so what we are promoting now is a possibility that com under commercial companies set up Contracts, contracts among themselves, it is the agreement on journey continuation, so that the passenger can have the, in case of disruption, of course, uh, will be protected as much as possible. Uh, it is already implemented, so we have people that are already profiting, so some companies already are applying this, and so I know persons that have been protected thanks to this agreement. I didn't have the chance so far to use it, let me say. I was protected, I had another delay in another moment that I was traveling internationally where I was hosted in a hotel, but I know people that have been continuing traveling using another railway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, we've seen debates on, on this uh, journey continuation with, with two positions. And there will be this position where, uh, I mean, it's passenger rights, I mean, very clear in aviation, the important thing is to have a compensation when there is a, a disruption. But then there is alternative view that passengers in reality, they care little about economic compensations, what they want is to get home as fast as possible. Uh, so the um, stress should be on yeah, journey continuation, make sure that uh, all the tools are there in order to accelerate uh, yeah, a solution for a disruption, rather than just having a, an economic compensation. You have a position there. Uh, I think so. I think, as you said, that uh, passengers prefer to go the sooner at home uh, to their house than uh, being compensated. 
and the agreement on journey continuation is in this direction so that with liberalization you will have more railway undertakings running on the, on the on the infrastructure and with journey con the agreement on journey continuation you will have the opportunity if you, the company uh, the company from which you bought your ticket is not traveling but there is another company a competitor that there is an agreement how you can be protected and use uh, the train that is available so this is the purpose of course journey continuation doesn't mean if there are no trains there are no means to go you will be protected in a different way so you will be hosted you will find a way also to protect you in that sense but definitely goes in this direction so using the all the opportunities that you, that there are in order to continue your your journey so we covered i think the three main issues and so so information on timetables ticketing and real time information and, and management of disruption and delays and, and you pointed to a different uh, initiatives I, I, and even you made some reference to the timing, but maybe I would like to have um, just one question to this very specific topic. By when do you think that all of these solutions will be mature enough to have, I mean, basic passenger certifiers around this through ticketing and, and, and the most relevant information on timetables and, and disruptions? I mean, what is the, the schedule you're working with? Our schedule is 2025. We are in 2022, in July, end of July 2022. So we we would like that we we are able to realize it by 2025. Uh, let's say it's very short in terms of realization of such initiative. It's much faster than any regulation, any norms. Anything you propose at the European level in terms of regulation or directives takes years to be approved and then some other years to be implemented. So we are going much faster than this, but there are some critical points uh, in order to realize them. And we see already the time that it takes, not only depending on railways. Huh? If I may, I can make an example. Yeah, please. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned before the standard OSDM. Uh, we approved our roadmap in September of last year, so one year ago. We engage with European institutions, and in particular with the European Commission, about the recognition of this standard. Uh, we have not yet achieved it. So we have been discussing for one year about the advantages of this standard, which is recognized not only by ourselves, but was recognized also by when we discussed with the member states in a platform, with the Passengers Federation and so on, that the benefit that this will bring. We have not yet there. What does it mean if we don't get a recognized standard that companies are investing because we are investing, but definitely not at the speed that you will do if you have a recognized standard where you say, my investment are safe and everything I spend there will be profitable in the sense that we bring results. And so it's not everything easier. Another point where we are still discussing is about the platform, uh, because from what we discussed, we will need to exchange a lot of data. We will need to exchange data concerning timetables, concerning pricing and so on. And we want to have also a bit of clearance or guidance about how the antitrust should see this, this cooperation among railways. 
we don't want definitely to set up a cartel. That's not the purpose at all. So probably maybe some cooperation will not be possible, but we need to have such sort of guidance in order to be able to cooperate to the extent as much as possible, let me say. So uh, standards, clarity on uh, antitrust rules, maybe data protection also, or that's pretty much all, I don't know. Uh, there is also, this is what I told you, the two points more essentially are, and also data protection will come in, are required from uh, regulators and public authorities. Mm -hmm. All our initiative is based on, uh, I would say, commercial principles beyond this. So what we would like is that all the radio undertakings and ticket vendors and e-platforms that will enter into this business should be able to um, operate together on the basis of commercial contracts. What does it mean that uh, if it is me and you that we need to cooperate, we discuss the commercial conditions, how we are exchanging data and how we are selling tickets. Uh, if somebody wants to sell the tickets of all the others, need to define also the conditions, at which conditions is we going, will sell the tickets, how will be remunerated, uh, what guarantees uh, he can provide about the services that will be rendered. Of course, if you sell a ticket, you, uh, you I would say, you engage yourself in a contract with the traveler. You might engage on your name, you, get, you might engage on the name of other, of other companies, and these, all these things need to be defined. We have already commercial contracts, because as I was saying, there are already companies that are selling tickets without providing the trip, without providing the transport. Mm -hmm. So you have already companies, so it's something which is feasible and that we would like to be recognized. We would like to avoid that we find one big e-platform that is setting the conditions for everybody. So we like to have competition among railway undertakings, competition among platforms, and also good economic conditions on how to proceed in this part of the business, which is, I would say, the less costly compared to providing the, the transport. So yeah, maybe this leads me to my last question. Uh, I mean, I guess you're advancing somehow that you would not support um, um, regulatory intervention to accelerate um, through ticketing or compulsory data sharing. Um, uh, I mean, do you see, first of all, I guess that, I mean, your point is we are already working on it. Uh, we are quite advanced. We can deliver results before our regulation, if I take correctly, what was your point? Do you see also some risks uh, maybe in that regulation, if I understand correctly, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit more on, on this risk of monopolization at the platform level? Maybe that would be an unwanted uh, result of the uh, regulation. Yeah, I think this is must be uh, must be fully understood and analyzed. I mean, uh, when we when all this uh, when the e-platform started to operate, uh, there was a different perception and it was a different moment. Where, for instance, if you take newspaper, we're providing for free or they, they were obliged to a certain extent to provide for free their articles to Google and to other platforms where everybody should have the right to assess and read this. 
situation is changed. Uh, now the platforms are different power. Uh, in certain cases, they are called gatekeepers in the sense that there are, if you want to assess in certain markets, you need, you are forced to go into using these platforms. So we need a more balanced situation. The digital market that Europe has realized it. Most of the platforms, by the way, are not Europeans. Uh, Europe has realized and has regulated through the Digital Market Act how we need to interact and that was the services that are sold, services or the products that are sold through platforms should be, I would say, recognized and properly valued. Mm -hmm. So we need to avoid that we go in a situation where, for instance, what happened for hotels, where one mm -hmm. platform, if you don't go into one platform, it's very difficult uh, to promote your hotel. So you're practically forced to join the platform. And at a certain point, there was also forced to accept the conditions. I think we need to avoid this. And I think competition among platforms, competition among railways, I think is the best in this sense in order to provide a good service. Having said that, we need to provide a more integrated, much easier way to assess the, uh, our services and how to go along your travel. I don't know if I'm replying to your question fully. No, very, very clearly. Yes, yes, very clearly. I, it's, um, I mean, I, I'm very sympathetic to this idea of compulsory data sharing, helping not only uh, necessarily um, smaller startups active in Europe, but uh, having as a second effect. Um, I mean, those those data uh, will be shared also beyond that um, with a very large Silicon Valley platforms, which probably do not need that much help from a regulatory perspective to establish their position. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think we learn from previous experiences on, on the risk. And, and, and I think a commercial negotiation is a fair balance. Um, I mean, uh, I think no one wants just to block digitalization, but uh, we don't want to facilitate too much uh, this unbalanced situation, evolution of digital markets as we have seen in other sectors. So, yeah, I think that that's an issue to be taken into consideration, definitely when regulating uh, ticketing. Okay, uh, Alberto, I think it was a very good conversation. Uh, I think I uh, clarified many of the points, even the more technical ones, and, and, and some of the agreements, the uh, agreement on German continuation, hope on the next uh, available train. I mean, I think produce a lot of clarity. It was very useful. Um, I don't know, would you like to raise some final point before closing the conversation? Uh, I was just saying that uh, 2025 is a challenge deadline for us. Uh, of course, we need to support also public authorities in terms of standards, in terms of possibility to use uh, a platform where we can exchange data and information. And let's say we have also a different ambition also to uh, make at least the timetable regulation also simpler. Uh, something that I didn't attach on the first point, but is a key point for us in competition with aviation. Uh, if you want to buy a ticket, uh, for instance, you cannot do it 12 months in advance. Why it is this important? Because especially for international travelers, any, I would say, tourist travel agent, if they want to organize their package, tourist packages, uh, we need to prepare this very much in advance, maybe one year before. So we need to simplify also the timetable process so that 
we can have allocate capacity in the sense we can say this train will run in one year time so that all the travel operator, tourist operators, and also schools, when they prepare, for instance, their annual trip to go somewhere, we be able to use more railways than aviation. This is something that we need to change, unfortunately. Regulation doesn't allow this, but we would like to go also in this direction because, in our opinion, sustainable tourism will be certainly part of the future of railways, of European railways. Um, thank you, Albert. I think it puts a, a very nice ending to the conversation uh, in the sense that uh, digitalization, of course, it, it has some threats for the sector, but uh, it can also bring uh, positive results, like increased ridership by providing more visibility and advanced visibility to potential passengers. So uh, I think that's a, a nice way to put an end to the conversation. Thank you very much, Alberto, and uh, looking forward to your conversations. Thank you, Juan. Thank you for listening to Transport for Future. Stay tuned for the next episodes.